0: is episode 61 of the atm at the minute podcast i'm your host peter mitchell back in the 785 from a great week down in the 918 here with my co-host jackson stover how are you my friend
1: i'm doing good i had a random guy slip a benjamin in my pocket at work today hey that was pretty cool stock market is doing well or at least your international gaming calls are doing well. It's been a I, hell of a day. I really can't complain. How are Jack, you doing?
0: Jackie Day Trader in the cut. I'm I, good. I'm good. One CPA exam down, three to go, hopefully. so Hell yes. Here we are. Here we are. Today, we got a great show for you guys. We're going to do a little NBA look ahead, a few questions, uh, talk some playoffs, what we're looking forward to when the NBA comes back, because... We are positive people here.
1: It's going to happen.
0: And then we're going to do the Last Dance Awards. Favorite moment, biggest surprise, biggest winner, biggest loser, best quote. And then Jackson's got some MJ facts, so should be a good show. But before we get into it, go to FanFuelSports.com. Check out the latest Sunday special. I did six takeaways on The Last Dance. And then also, Jackson and I piggybacked off of our FanFuel Fantasy Show episode, 10 breakout candidates. We expanded on those players, wrote it all out there for you. So you can start stockpiling guys you want to take in your next fantasy draft. Did I leave anything out?
1: No, sir. Let's get to it.
0: All right, here we go. Five questions looking ahead to the NBA. Take it away.
1: All right. So first question here, there's been a lot of talk of when slash if basketball comes back. Are we going to finish the regular season? Are we going to go right into the playoffs? Is the playoff formatting going to be the same? What happens to the teams that are you know, in the West sitting at 9, 10, and 11 that are all within a couple games? Is it fair to them to just scrap the regular season and start the playoffs and leave them out? So I want to hear, what do you think? Should we just roll with the normal 1-8 through eight seed in each conference, normal playoffs, or should Adam Silver get a little bit creative and use this as a trial run for the future and play around with the playoff formatting?
0: Okay, quick answer. Keep it as is. Ooh, these really? these teams, I know this is boring, but these teams and these owners would raise hell if they changed up the formatting 75% into the season. Almost every team, actually every team has played somewhere between 63 and 67 games thus far. So if you were to come in and let you know Zion get a chance to make the playoffs, Yes, that's what we all want as fans. But is that going to be fair to some teams, especially to the teams that are already in the playoffs? I I don't know if you're talking about the seven and eight seeds playing a little round-robin plan with the the nine and tens. I don't think that's that's cool.
1: Because Dallas would get royally screwed there. There's no reason that they're 40 and 27. Memphis at the eight seed is 32 and 33. They shouldn't have to be in the same ballpark competing to get in. But at the same time, you look at that eight seed. Memphis is 32 and 33. You've got Portland at 29 and 37. You got New Orleans at 28 and 36, and Sacramento at 28 and 36. And those four teams would be fun to watch. And if you were able to concoct some sort of wild card series or three team playoff series or something like that, a shortened condensed series and you give Zion a chance to get in there oh my god the ratings are gonna go crazy and I think that (laughs) is one big counter argument you can pitch to the players and owners hey if we do these play-in series especially if people are starved for sports and this is the first big American sporting action they get they get a play-in series that's got Zion versus Dame and CJ or something holy shit, the ratings are going to be insane and they're going to make a lot of money. So I think you can make the argument that it would help the salary cap. It helps everyone's pockets going forward. Sure, it might be a little bit unfair to the Memphis Grizzlies at the eight seed, but dude, if you could work something out where you get the Pelicans playing, oh my gosh, it's going to do so good ratings-wise.
0: That's a great point from the marketing major. That would definitely bring in some (laughs) ratings, Picking up on the lost revenue, I agree. If they if they could do anything like uh, anything to bring the intensity of that Denver Minnesota matchup from a few years back, I think that's the two teams that were in it. It was the last game yeah. of the season.
1: Yeah, the wild card eight seed playing spot.
0: Yeah, it was by chance, and I don't think that's the first time that's ever happened in NBA history. But I just remember how you know intense that high. game was. Yeah, so. Yeah. Anything they could do to, you know, bring in some extra TV money, whatever. There's not going to be fans in the seats whenever the season comes back. So right. I'd be all for it. Hope Hopefully yeah. they can come up with something.
1: I agree. The only problem with that is the Eastern Conference. You look at it and do you really want to give the Washington Wizards no. at 24 and 40 or the Charlotte Hornets at 23 and 42 a chance to get in the playoffs? No one's going to watch them. So that's really the issue, I think the Western conference would be the only reason to even consider it. But Adam Silver's a smart man. I'm sure he's considering all possible options and I wouldn't put it past him to come out with some new trial formatting, get the teams, get the owners, get the players on board and just see what happens. But we'll wait and see. I'm excited. Basketball sounds like it's going to come back. So regardless, I'm happy.
0: Yeah, we finally have a two to four week timetable as reported last week. So I think it's coming back, but let's go to question two here. What team is the layoff going to help or hurt the most?
1: I think there's a few teams that it really helps, and I think there's one one team that it hurts. Okay, so I couldn't really pick. I have four teams that I think it really benefits. The biggest is Milwaukee. They were... Oh, wow. They were... struggling I mean they were in a little five game skid they lost four or five Giannis had the knee sprain and some people thought it might be kind of serious and he might not be 100% going into the first round and sure it's the first round they're going to walk through whoever they get whether it's the Nets or the Magic but the thing is if Giannis's knee isn't 100% and he's not getting a ton of rest that's going to be an issue when you get toward the Eastern Conference finals and the finals if they get there. So I think Milwaukee, number one, is the biggest beneficiary of this. Number two, I think it's the Lakers. LeBron's old. His legs, you know, he's the eighth wonder of the world, but his legs can only go so long. He's had cramps in the finals before. Who knows if they have some longer series early. You know, Western Conference is tough. That second-round matchup might go five, six, seven games somehow. LeBron might be pretty darn tired by the time he gets to the finals. He didn't load manage like Kawhi. Now he doesn't have to worry about it. He's going to be at full strength, full health. I'm sure he's training like crazy in his compound of a home. He's going to be in good shape. Other team is Philly. They had the Embiid and Simmons debacle. They were super banged up, playing bad. They give both them a chance to potentially be healthy. I haven't even heard anything. I don't know if they both are. I would Simmons think so. A back issue. Yeah, I think he should be all right by now. I haven't heard anything for sure. And then the last team is the Raptors. They were just banged up all season long. They can use a nice little two-month break to get healthy. And then the one team that I think it hurts is the Clippers. And it really doesn't necessarily hurt them. It just doesn't help them at all because they had played the load management game and they had played the long-haul game. And I think they're really the only team that was that conservative during the regular season. So it kind of bites them in the ass that all the other teams get a layoff now and get to be fully rested and healthy. But that's what I've got. I think the Clippers are really the only team that it sets back much at all, but really just due to the fact that everyone else was helped out by it.
0: That's interesting about the Clippers. They change their starting lineup and mix up their all their lineups more than any team in the NBA. So yeah, maybe continuing the season would have helped them you know, figure out what they're going to run with. I don't know. I'm a little neutral on that. The Bucks. I actually thought it might hurt, but really? then you rem- well, you reminded me about the skid and the Giannis knee sprain. It's been so long and a really long time. Yeah, so thank you for checking me on that. I completely agree about the Lakers. I think they're the biggest beneficiary of this. Between them missing the playoffs last year and the stoppage of play, this might be the freshest LeBron James we've ever seen in the NBA playoffs. I mean, yep. His his body's stronger than it's probably ever been, I would think. And so I think that definitely, definitely helps the Lakers just about more than anybody else.
1: Yeah, I'm with that. And AD has always been injury prone. You get a for sure ticket for healthy AD in the playoffs. If he had any nagging injuries, he gets to heal those up too. You've got your two stars in the best health of their careers probably going into the playoffs. So yeah, I'm with you. I really think it helps the Lakers Moving along here, question three, what have we got?
0: Okay, we saw Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet become full-blown household names, NBA stars last year in the playoffs. So that leads me to ask you, who can do that same sort of thing whenever the playoffs resume, whenever it comes back to us? So I had to
1: do a little deep thinking here because there weren't really any names that immediately came to mind. But as I kind of looked around, looked at the playoff landscape and refreshed myself on the current state of a lot of rosters, one guy is the obvious answer here. It's Pat Connaughton. And (laughs) I know that is way out of left field, but hear me out here. So the thing with Connaughton last year, Brogdon was in front of him and he still played over 20 minutes a game. He was their first guy off the bench a lot of times. He was only putting up a little over six points, but he was also putting up over six rebounds, a block a game, and an assist and a half a game. You up his minutes a little bit, you give him some more touches, and I think those numbers are going to increase. He was shooting 48% from the field, 36% from three. He's a solid shot. He doesn't make many mistakes, and he's athletic enough that he can really guard the one through three. And Even if he gets switched on to a four, it's not the end of the world. I think he's going to have double-digit points, he's going to shoot close to 40% from three, and I think he's going to get a lot of boards, and Bledsoe's not really a playoff guy. I don't think that you can rely on him down the stretch. Giannis is going to see the wall. It's going to happen. Ooh, a little voice crack there, but Giannis (sighs) is going to see the wall again, and he's going to get doubled every single time that he gets inside the three-point line. It's just going to happen. That's the only you can do defensively to stop him so there's gonna have to be another guy that steps up knocks down big shots and goes off and yeah Middleton's there I think Middleton's gonna be solid he's gonna get you 15 to 20 a series regardless but they have to have somebody else fill Brogdon shoes George Hill is old Pat Connaughton's my guy
0: okay that is not what I expected at all we were talking before this thing we might have the same player we definitely do not Um, is mine
1: more on the left field
0: Um, I honestly, mine's out of left field too. You went with someone who's on a legitimate contender. I went with someone who's on the very back end of things. And that is Brandon Clark. Our guy. Yeah. So I like that though. This is obviously a reach, but as of right now, Memphis is the eight seed in the playoffs. They'd be paired up against the Lakers. But let me tell you, Brandon Clark would be on the all rookie team. If the season ended today, that's a no doubter. Yeah. I was just looking at it. He came into the league as an older guy, just like Siakam. I think he's going to continue to grow as a player. He was averaging 12 points, 5.8 boards, shooting 40% from three, which some teams were worried about. Uh, He had a really ugly jumper back at San Diego, I think, was where he was at before Gonzaga. Yeah. Worked on that. He's just raw. Yeah, now he's a knockdown guy. I know it's not a huge sample size, but that's impressive. And his per 36 minutes are nuts. 20 points, 9.7 boards, 2.4 assists, 1.4 blocks. I mean, the guy's only playing 21 minutes a game right now, but in a year or so, you give him starters minutes. Wow.
1: 100%. I like him more than Jaron Jackson, and I oh, like no, the Siakam no, comparison. Oh, no, no, Jaron Jackson like, is really good. He is, but I think Clark's better. And you can't go wrong with either, but I think Clark <laughs> is... I'm talking, this is one of the cornerstones of my franchise on a contending team, I think, in a few years. I think he is so damn underrated. And like you were saying, it's the Lakers. It's going to be a very popular primetime series. It might only be four or five games, but it's probably going to be one of the most watched series out of all of them. Yeah. And the thing is, defensively, He can guard anyone. And that's the thing with Siakam. You don't ever have to worry about taking him off the floor and getting caught in a mismatch. And, oh my gosh, they're just switching Steph onto him every time and he's picking and popping in the finals or, you know, whatever the hell it is, that doesn't happen. And that's not going to happen with Clark either. There's no holes in his game that can get exposed in a four or five or six game series.
0: Yeah, in a few years, he's going to be one of the most steady, consistent guys in the league. Uh, He has an elite floater, so... I mean, people were going to tune in to watch Job in the first round, regardless. And exactly. My whole thinking was they're going to watch that series and they're going to be like, who's that guy? He's making some really damn good plays. It's Brandon Clark. That's who. So,
1: yeah, jumping through the roof, pushing it in transition. I like it. I like mm-hmm. it a lot.
0: All right. Number four What non Lakers versus Clippers matchup would you be looking forward to most? Obviously, everybody wants to see that one, but which. Right. Which series has your eye?
1: So there's one in the West that would be a second round matchup that has my eye. Just as a Thunder fan, I would love to see Oklahoma City in Houston. Uh-huh. And Houston's the six, Oklahoma City's <laughs> the five right now. So it would be the second round matchup. I believe I could actually have that wrong, but. Uh... Um, Mm, I do have that wrong. It would have to be, it'd have to take something crazy for that to happen, but maybe we get a little play in action, changes the seating up or one of the LA teams goes down or something. I would love to see Chris Paul against Russell Westbrook in the revenge series. It would be weird seeing Westbrook back in the peak for a seven game series because I think it would definitely go seven. Uh, And neither of those teams are going to quit. I don't think I just don't see Westbrook or Chris Paul, going down in four five or six. It's going to be a series that is one for the ages. And I think both of them, just the pettiness level would make them go absolutely bonkers. So I would love to see that the other series that I would be looking forward to. And I believe this one's going to happen in the first round. If you know, everything stays like it is right now. And that's Philly and Boston. And I'm looking forward to that because Boston plays smaller than anybody else in the league. And Philly obviously plays bigger than other everyone than else in the league. Yeah, that is true. I forget Houston and uh, not Capella uh, anymore. But when I think about it, Jason Tatum's going to be the small ball five for the Celtics at certain times. And I think Philly's going to have certain lineups where every single player on the court is bigger than Jason Tatum. There's going to be some times where Boston just looks tiny compared to Simmons and Embiid and Richardson and Al Horford out there. I, there's going to be some matchups that you look at when they've got Smart and Brown and Kimba out there and you're just like, holy cow, Boston looks tiny. And so I think it's going to be interesting to see if the small ball prevails or if Philly's just going to be able to back them down and bully them.
0: Okay. Um, On the OKC-Houston thing, that would definitely be intriguing more so to see Chris versus Russell than to see Russell back in the peak because there is no bad blood there. and Yeah. Fans would just be totally indifferent, I think. They'd It'd be, be cool
1: ha- to see him there, if anything.
0: Yeah, I mean, it would sell tickets, but yeah, that would be fun. I actually had Philly-Boston as my series as well. Really? Yeah, and it it starts with the history around these two teams, two of the OG NBA teams, and then yeah. I my take is there was a lot of questions about just how good these teams really are this season. A ton of questions. Philly- Still are. Yeah, Philly lost J.J. Reddick and Jimmy Butler. They don't have that late-in-the-shot-clock shot creator. That is a mouthful to say.
1: Hell, they don't even have a leader.
0: Yeah, they don't have a true leader. It's kind of that awkward Simmons and Bede thing. I think losing Jimmy hurts more than anyone realizes, and it hasn't really shown yet, but it would in the playoffs. And then on the Boston front, Interested to see what they look like with Kimba in the playoffs instead of Kyrie. Tatum was playing better than he has his entire career. Jalen Brown was a borderline all-star this season. I would just love to see them go at it. So, I don't know. I just think that's definitely the series. It would be really telling whoever comes out of that. I I would have no idea. I I just really don't have any idea who I would pick. Probably Boston.
1: I completely agree. I completely agree. And I just got to jump there. Next question we're going to, does any team outside of Milwaukee or one of the LA teams, Clippers or Lakers, even have a shot to win the finals? And my answer is going to (laughs) be, I think whoever comes out of that series, my guess is Philly. I think Philly could do it only because of matchup problems, only because they are so darn big. I think it could give any team honestly fits. I think they're a team that everyone's kind of penciled in like, man, I don't know how good they really are, but I hope we don't get Philly in the playoffs just because they're so damn big.
0: Okay. Well, my counter would be that I think Boston might be able to work around that size. Philly has had issues spacing the floor. Like I said, they're missing shooting that they had last year. Horford had to go to the bench because things weren't working out how they expected them to. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not so convinced that they would just play boldy ball and dominate Boston. We see Joel Embiid hanging around the three-point line. If they really want to be great, they got to feed that man and he's got to
1: go to work like Hakeem Olajuwon if they really want see, to go deep. And that's my thing. I think if they come out of that series and they can do that, and they can actually space the floor, play team basketball, Embiid can get down in the paint, Simmons maybe hits a few jump shots out on the wing or something, and they're really playing like people thought they could, yeah, I'm I'm in on the Sixers. But obviously, if they lose that series to Boston, yeah, that, that answers itself. So that's why I think if they can get by Boston, they're legit contenders. And if Boston beats them, I think that's the only other team in the East that could really challenge Milwaukee. But I just don't see Boston having a chance against either L.A. team. And I think Philly might just because of matchups, just because of that.
0: Okay, well, you're about to throw up in your mouth whenever I say that Houston would be my pick.
1: (laughs) Wait, what are we talking about here? Houston winning the finals?
0: Yes, sir. Let's do it. Come on. Any team other than the Bucs, Lakers or Clippers, who's been the closest
1: to it? The who missed 27 threes in a row
0: what are the odds of them missing 27 threes in a row again that was a first know, time Peter, ever. I know happened. that it cost
1: me a lot of money in that series and I will never <laughs> forgive them 5 a.m in Barcelona I barely uh, even know my own name and I'm just glued to my phone watching this game and I can't believe what I'm seeing it was like a horrible dream that sounded like Drake you you even rhymed it really. Was. I don't even I know my name. Stone I'm up. just watching this game. <laughs> Stone was beside me, passed out, and I kept waking him up because I couldn't believe it. I needed a witness. It, that was just <sighs> miserable. I, I have bad dreams about that to this day, really? and I will never forgive the Rockets. Yeah, all they had to do was win one game, one game, because I'd been betting against the Warriors all year. I hated them so much when KD went there. so like, oh, yeah, I'm just gonna hammer everyone else's odds.
0: Well, and it didn't work. Harden and the Rockets have been close. He's been inconsistent in the playoffs, but he's never had a true alpha like Russell Westbrook to push him. He could be the MJ to Harden's Scotty, I guess you could say. I mean, I'm just I just think they've been so close. Wait, wait, I'm- wait, hold on, run that back. You said Westbrook as MJ? Mm-hmm. And the is Scotty? Mentality-wise, which we'll get to that okay. in, just okay. Second, okay. in just a second. a second. But that I'm a buyer fair. on the Westbrook paint dominance trend. He led the league in points in the paint in January. And the way he was playing was arguably better than he ever had in his career. I know he's averaged triple doubles and all that. But no, I ef- agree with that. The efficiency numbers and stylistically how he was approaching the game was unlike anything we saw. You hated him. In OKC, if I can speak for you, because he'd pull up like him as a person without him as a player. Yes. So I'm buying stock in that. I don't know if Maury was like, you're never shooting threes again because the percentages aren't there, but it's worked. We saw them beat L.A. in that first game with Robert Covington. I know that's just one game. (laughs) I know that's just one game, but I would love to see it.
1: Houston's my pick. They got blown out by Phoenix the next game, but okay. <laughs> well, I I don't really like the small ball analytics stuff Maury's doing at first. I kind of enjoyed it a lot more, and now it kind of just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. And it just isn't basketball that I support and like watching. And just combined with how they lost the Warriors a couple years ago and hurt my pockets and the way Westbrook plays sometimes, I could just never get behind the Rockets going there. But hey, you never know. I mean, they have had two months to come up with all kinds of analytical trends and crazy data. And who knows, Maury might have just cracked the code with his numbers and hacked his way into beating the whole NBA. I doubt it, but... Did you hear about
0: the Trump meeting with like the NBA owners? And Tillman Fertitta, the Rockets owner, was there. And they made some comment about China and Fertitta. I don't know. I'm paraphrasing. I'm cringing. I'm
1: cringing. Okay. There's a
0: video. I haven't seen it yet. I just heard about this today. But (laughs) Fertitta made some comment about how bad uh, his GM talking about China affected the league and the headache that was created because of it. And Trump was like, is he still employed or is he good or something like that? And, and Fortino was like, "Yep." And then okay, that's what that's what happened. I think Trump goes, "He must be pretty good." <laughs> but anyways, we were talking about the MJ mentality and I think a guy who could use that to say Westbrook to catalyze his team better than anyone would be Joel Embiid, Oh, as you mentioned okay. earlier. That wasn't my pick for this as we get into the last dance awards but which player for you is the most likely to bring the MJ mentality to the rest of the season aka rubbing his teams the wrong way who's that going to be
1: Ooh, so I went a little bit of a different direction here I didn't go necessarily rubbing them the wrong way however you want to spin it I I went more looking at the playoff landscape and who's going to be playing and who's going to come back into the playoffs and really just go on a tear after CNA and take that MJ yes. mentality and go crazy. And the one guy that comes to mind and it's kind of circumstantial, but it's Donovan Mitchell. And I think he's a guy That's that has the I shots to do it. He's kind of been piss poor in the playoffs before and taken a decent amount of shots, but seemed like he had the support of all the veterans in the team and everyone said, no, this is the guy we want taking the shots. Now, you've got Bogdanovich done for the year with the wrist injury or surgery now. And you are left with Mike Conley, who was so bad that you were putting him on the bench, potentially didn't even know if you wanted him getting a ton of minutes. Someone's got to score the ball. I mean, you've got Gobert there. He's, you know, great defensively. He's going to get you some points in the pick and roll, but he's not a lot of offense necessarily. And someone's got to score. It's the playoffs. I think Donovan Mitchell might just say, screw it. I'm going crazy. I know he's been watching the last dance and tweeting about it a lot. Yeah. I could see him coming back from the Gobert thing with the chip on his shoulder. Everyone knows they're beefing the whole coronavirus thing that started with them. I think he's got the shots, he's got the ability. He just needs the mentality and like clutch gene a little bit. He needs more of the mm, more of the follow through, you know, like we've seen him take a lot of shots, but it's Mm -hmm. time for him to really go hit them and really, really step up and capitalize on the moment. And I think he's got a chance to do it. Hopefully not against Oklahoma city, but
0: yeah, he's 11th in the league in field goal attempts per game. I could definitely see that spiking come playoff time. He was on my little short list my guy Zach Levine, man, in Chicago, he's gonna try to be MJ. I
1: know he's oh, been watching no. too. <laughs> I think he thinks he is MJ already. I don't know if he can get, I don't know if he can get any more uh, MJ like. I
0: know. Try I'm, to at least. I'm just playing. Let's go right into it. The Last Dance Awards. Let's do it. The docu series that captivated us all. It's finally over. And we have five awards to just break it down, the things we enjoyed the most. So unless you have anything else to add, let's just get right into it. What was your favorite moment of the
1: series? So I got a few nominations here, but there's one that just takes the cake for me. So I'm going to start with kind of my honorable mentions. Rodman drinking the Miller Lite after the game and hopping on the motorcycle. (laughs) That that was incredible. That's up there. You got to have that up
0: there. That was great. Yeah.
1: MJ on the ground, weeping with the Larry O'Brien trophy. That was up there. That one really hit hard when they had the audio in there and you could really hear him. That was pretty crazy. And then uh, obviously him laughing at Isaiah Thomas on the iPad. That's already become a meme. That was a great moment. But the winner for me was uh, Wozniak, I believe John Michael Wozniak. yeah the security guard with the long hair, mm-hmm. him playing the stupid game with Jordan pregame, throwing the change off the wall or whatever they're throwing at the wall quarters, and beating him. Whatever. Yeah, the quarters off the wall, dimes, whatever it was. Beats him, takes his money, hits him with a little shrug, and then MJ tells him, get the hell out of here. I don't want to see y'all till after the game. That was my favorite moment. When he turned to MJ and hit him with his own shrug, the goofy security guard with the crazy George Washington-looking hair, that dude was a G I was glad we got to learn about him and see a lot of him because never would have
0: known anything. So that
1: was my favorite moment. I love that.
0: Yeah. Uh, Adding on to that whole sniff brothers story. That was so entertaining, especially, I mean, we're 23 years old. None of us had heard like half the stories in this series. So that was so cool to hear I heard Rachel Nichols talking about how she had, I don't know if she had talked to Wozniak's son or heard this through the grapevine, but he was saying how much his dad would have loved to watch this. And fun fact, he was the full-time housekeeper for MJ's Highland Park property in Chicago up until his death. Really? Yeah, yeah. That's uh, pretty crazy. I know. It was so cool to see how he kept a relationship with, with these guys. I mean, right. through his career. It showed,
1: it showed he obviously is not just an asshole like a lot of people tried to make him out to be in, like a lot of people thought he would be portrayed as in the series. Like, Legitimately was a good guy that you could tell was raised the right way. Exactly. Just super competitive. So my nominees, I mean, you reminded
0: me, the Gus Lett moment where after winning the Eastern Conference Finals, yeah, over the he Pacers, the he grabbed a game ball, had the,
1: the wherewithal the to do that, hits, yeah. I
0: guess. The wherewithal, yeah, to like
1: actually make sure he got that ball, give it to Gus. I had like crazy goosebumps. That's what he's thinking about after he wins a major playoff game. Let me get this ball for my guy and make his day. Not whatever it is with him, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. I could go further into that. I'm not going to do it. Same, um, same. Both of us can. My other two moments, the final forty-one point nine seconds of game six against Utah. I you know, we've all seen the shot over Brian Russell, the push off or no push-off, however you want to spin it. Yeah. But actually kind of seeing that whole sequence, how MJ scored in the lane, Utah gets the ball, moves it down the floor, Stockton gets to the corner, drops the bounce pass to Carl Malone, and MJ risks it for the MF biscuit goes, goes for that for all. steal. That's what great players do. And that that was a huge summing up of everything about Jordan's legacy, who he is, why he's the greatest. Yeah. He made plays like that. He goes down the floor, hits that game winner. That was awesome. But my favorite moment was Phil Jackson's Burning of the Letters ceremony.
1: Oh, that was pretty powerful. I almost cried. Could you imagine
0: being a fly on the wall, listening to each one of those guys read their letter? Steve Kerr said they all took it super seriously. I highly doubt Dennis Rodman did,
1: but that was like something Dennis you just see- saw you Had about five words. Yeah. Hey, I'm trying to get out of here. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go party.
0: Yeah, that was something you see at like a high school lock-in or a young life camp, but Phil Jackson has all those guys' respect, and it was probably a moment those guys will remember for the rest of their lives. I thought it was a perfect oh, way doubt. In the series, they had the binders that said the last dance. They showed us that in episode one. He's like, nah, this is it. And that was probably the last time that those guys will ever all be in the same place together. So I thought that was a perfect way to wrap it up. Favorite moment of the series.
1: I'm with you. I will forego my nominees and concur with you. That deserves the award right there. (laughs) All right. what was the biggest surprise to you? So, you mentioned the 98 finals, and we have all seen the shot, but to fully understand all of the context behind it and everything that went into that series and the seasons before and everything else, oh, I probably do. So, (laughs) the first part was them winning game three 96 to 54. That was like a yeah. what the hell that happened? How did I not know that moment? I mean, the fact that you're able to hold a team to 54 points in the NBA finals says a lot when everyone, you know, calls you burnt out and at the end of your legacy and thinks it's the end of the road and all of the stuff that people were saying about the Bulls, clearly what their own GM even thought and you're out there beating what a lot of people said was an all-time team in the Utah Jazz by that many points, and, and holy shit. And pointing out how
0: they had to stop them in transition. They're the second-best offensive team in the league.
1: Right. Crazy. Like, can you imagine we see, I don't know, the Clippers and the Bucks in the finals, and the Clippers hold <laughs> the Bucks to, like, 62 points and score 108? That'd be insane. That, that would crazy you can't even imagine so that combined with the fact that uh in the final game of the series Jordan scored 45 of the 87 points game six yeah. and that was his last hurrah with the Bulls like are you kidding me you his scored 45 <laughs> of 87 and that's you're walking away with that LeBron would never
0: never <laughs>
1: LeBron's not gonna go score 58 of 110 it's not gonna happen <laughs> in a win in the playoffs maybe in a regular season meaningless game he would but not like that was that it for your surprise that was my biggest surprise oh <laughs> shit in my pants i knew that series was great and he went nuts but i didn't know it was like that that's the yeah. next level that cements himself as the goat like if you were on the fence before that go watch that last episode and shut up with any argument you have
0: yeah like i said it's a waste of time i'm not going to get into it but yeah i, I shouldn't have even started now, my, my biggest surprise, we all know how horrible Utah Jazz fans are. Oh, man. That's, that's no surprise. After the racial slurs thrown at Russell Westbrook last season, that fan getting banned for life, we all knew how despicable they were. Yeah. But the fact that they sent five people to try to murder Michael Jordan,
1: that was shocking. That was shocking. Do you think that actually happened? Or do you think there's a chance he maybe just ate some bad pizza?
0: No, it 100% happened. So Tim Grover, his trainer, I believe this was on part of my take. He confirmed that it was food poisoning and they just called it the flu game because the symptoms were flu-like. Right, and but you don't think there's a ring. chance that it
1: was just a genuine, honest, bad pizza that made him sick? Like you think they were sprinkling stuff on his food to try and get him sick or kill him or something? putting some ricin in there, whatever it was they used in Breaking Bad. Okay, well, I do think the story's
0: a little bit embellished how they were all saying, none of us were eating that pizza. They sent five guys. I don't think they would talk about it quite in that same light had he not gotten sick from it. But man, I fully believe that those guys poisoned that thing. They knew, hey, we
1: got to get an edge on the bulls. But like, who sends five people? That's wouldn't that be obvious? That's okay. So I believe most of it, but my my thing with it is, if I have a playoff game tomorrow and I order food at an incredibly late hour and five guys show up to deliver it and I'm Michael Jordan, one, I'm not going to answer the door because I think a gun's going to get pulled on me or I'm going to get jumped or something. I'm not even going to open the door. Two. How bad do you want the pizza if five guys delivered it? And you're all sitting there saying, oh, something's probably wrong with it. Really? I mean, I get your MJ and you think what's going to happen to me. But that's my thing is like if five guys show up to deliver a pizza and you know who you are, are you really going to eat that? So
0: that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know that those guys actually talked about it like that in the moment. I'm sure they thought it was weird that five people showed up. but And they just ate the pizza and whatever. Yeah, one last thing before we move on. Everyone was on Twitter saying like, why would MJ call in the pizza himself? I don't I don't believe that he did. I think everyone knew that the Bulls were staying at the Marriott in Salt Lake yeah, City. it wouldn't have mattered. And they were like, there's a chance that this is like MJ's hotel
1: room. There, there's just a lot of fishy stuff there. A lot of fishy stuff, but we'll never know. Okay, biggest winner. Biggest winners from the whole series... Gus Lett, and John Michael Wozniak. Those dudes never would have known about them. Nobody in America hardly ever would have known their names. Those guys are legends now. They're my screensaver on my phone. That's That such picture a great that ESPN tweeted out, legendary picture. Those guys were unspoken heroes of that documentary. They made it feel way more personable. They made it feel like you can be an average guy and be a part of some great big legacy as a security guard working for the Bulls. All of a sudden, these guys are... I mean, their mainstays in Michael Jordan's life, Gus Letts acting as his dad coming over at two in the morning, consoling him the night before games when he's upset about his dad. That's stuff that you never would have heard about. And those guys never would have gotten that public recognition from everyone knowing all that they did for Michael if it weren't for this documentary. So those were my winners.
0: I had Wozniak as a winner just because of like the shrug moment. But my winner, this is kind of lame. The winner is us. The viewers.
1: We needed Oh, that's not lame. It's cliche, but it's cool. (laughs) We
0: we needed something to look forward to during the quarantine. Jason Hare hooked it up, gave us this wonderful series. Some people were were complaining, saying like there wasn't as much about the actual last dance, the ninety-seven-98 season as I expected, or I don't care about hearing about Rodman or Pippen.
1: I'm like anybody what? complaining is a sourpuss loser. It was incredible, and there yeah. should not be a single bad thing you can say about it. Other than I'm mad we don't have more to watch.
0: I mean, if anything, hearing the backstory of Scottie Pippen and like what it took for all the stars to align just for him to end up on the Bulls, like that is hugely important in this story. So I thought all of that added a layer of context and background information that all of us younger people especially needed to know. And I thought it was just outstanding. So we are the winners. Thank you. I
1: definitely agree. I am with that. Biggest loser. Well, you mentioned them already. The Utah Jazz fans. They're the biggest (laughs) losers, first of all. I think they were not very well liked by the common NBA fan before. They are not going to be liked by anybody now. Everyone is going to have some beef with Utah, and that's fine. The fans there suck. They deserve it. Most of them, not all of them, obviously. Not but, all of them, but. Right. Yeah. And like the few, like you just see some people in the crowd just like screaming stuff that you can tell is just vulgar, ridiculous things. And you hear it. You hear about it, the Westbrook incident. And it seems like anytime something bad happens with fans, it's in Utah. And like, yeah, it's stupid to paint that whole image over all of them. But yeah, Utah jazz fans. They're losers, first of all. <laughs> Second biggest loser, Adidas. They oh, great. just got great. screwed. And it highlighted the one episode MJ wanted to go and there. They didn't yeah, Converse, but more so than anything Adidas just because they're still big right now. And imagine the sales and everything going on. I mean, they would be far and above Nike if Jordan they had Jordan and Easy. Easy. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If they got Whoa. all that going on, it's not even close. They are dominating the shoe market. They're dominating the athletic apparel market. It's a whole different ball game. And sure, a million other things could have happened, but I thought that was big time. And then my third loser, Portland Trailblazers for passing on Michael Jordan in the draft nice nice
0: okay well love those picks the fact that Nike sold 126 million dollars worth of Jordan stuff in year one when they projected 3 million I think I mentioned this on a previous episode yeah that was crazy Uh, my biggest loser hate to say it Jerry Krause that's one nominee Rightfully deserving he's down. I'm saying he was rightfully deserving of this criticism that he got. Chicago fans know this, though. Jerry Reinsdorf deserves just as much, if not more, of the blame for the fact that this team was blown up. Yeah. He could have gotten rid of Kraus, kept Phil, tried to he rebuild that He chose Kraus over everyone. He chose Kraus over everyone. So, yes, Kraus was stupid for coming out and saying, you know, this is it tim floyd from iowa states coming in that was just weird i I don't know why he did that he had the little man complex whatever but he's also a loser because he wasn't there to defend himself and if he would have been i think that would have added another level to this documentary i don't know
1: are you calling him a bigger loser for being dead (laughs) is that what i just heard i i don't mean it quite like that (laughs) i'm kidding i'm totally kidding i'll probably cut this that was a little bit too edgy that's fine but i'm just saying like this would have been what you mean
0: even it was amazing and it would have been even better if we could have heard his side of the story
1: right people wouldn't be bashing him as much maybe if he came out and said hey this thing and that thing happened and me and phil actually sat down one day and he told me this and said he was ready to go a different direction yeah kind of forced my hand you know there's no telling no telling
0: Hmm. I mean, Isaiah Thomas was in it. He was an arch nemesis.
1: He I don't was kind think... of a loser of this series. Yeah, Although he got a lot of credit, a lot of attention of like, "Hey, Isaiah really was this good. He should have been on the dream team." This and that. But at the same yeah. time, a lot of people are like, "Ah, oh, he sucks. He's a mean guy." Yeah, and MJ said it's
0: magic, and then Isaiah, two best point guards in his eyes. Um, yeah. So I had Kraus, RIP, but the other biggest loser is LeBron James. Oh, yeah, because oh,
1: yeah.
0: I mean, the old the boomers, tread lightly,
1: tread lightly, Peter,
0: the boomers had MJ as their guy. I think you could say 80, 90 percent of millennials, boomers. I can't think of an, any better word than those uh, generations right people there people that
1: actually watch them,
0: people who got to see MJ play. Thank you. They would all say MJ was a goat, but now you have the younger generation changing cards i've already had friends say mj's my goat now they've jumped ship from lebron lebron went on the shop and said that's why i'm the greatest player talking about some series or game that he played in but he's been
1: doing that crap mj didn't have to do that
0: he's still yeah he's still playing so let's let lebron finish out his legacy but he definitely is taken a little bit of an l for some young fans jumping ship and having mj be their goat now
1: I definitely agree with that. I'll be interested to see if he comes out with more of a chip on his shoulder and I says, you know what, will. if people want to see it, I'm going to go get 60 this playoff game. I would love to see him try to do something And like I that, hope he does. No that would be so fun to watch. Nothing- would, I would honestly be okay with the Lakers winning the finals if he went on just a ridiculous run and averaged 43 in the playoffs and nine assists and seven rebounds. Like, I, as much as I would hate to hear about it, I would totally be down to watch it 100%. You could sweep the Clippers. I'd eat my <laughs> words. I'd be okay with it. I'd be okay with it.
0: I've been an MJ or a LeBron hater most of my life. I've softened my stance over the past year. Life is too short to just be hating on people like that unless you're doing it for ratings. So that's fair. I'd love to see LeBron go off. Yes. Completely agree. fair enough. Okay. Fair enough. Let's wrap it up here.
1: Best yes, sir. quote. There's a lot of directions we could go here. I wrote down a lot of honorable mentions, and I think there is just one that takes the cake. I don't need to mention all of the other nominees because I'm sure people remember them anyway. It's stuff that was so memorable and so big, there's no way you don't. But the one that does it, and I'm sure that this is basic because it got so popular, but when he said, when people see this, they're going to say, well, he really wasn't a nice guy he was a tyrant but that's you because you never won anything That <laughs> hit into episode seven that yeah. hit on a different level and when I heard that I just thought goat like I related to that on so many levels and just thought that's so true sometimes you got to get in somebody's ass a little bit and go get something done it's just part of life <laughs> and he understood that you be a nice guy off the court you know you be good to people you help bring people before games into the locker room. You give them game basketballs and stuff like that. That's going to make their day, make their week, make their life. But Hey, when you step on that court, you're an asshole because you're going to win. And that's how it's got to be sometimes. And I thought that was just the best quote ever.
0: On top of that, he said, and I never asked anybody to do anything that I didn't do. Right. That's the ultimate leader. Whether you, whether you disagree with his Overall style or not. He was a lead by example guy. They showed that one clip of him beating everybody in sprints. I'm sure that didn't happen every single practice, but
1: it wouldn't surprise me if it did. Some people are just like that. Some people are just like that. One other one I've gotta mention. Yeah. I just have to because I think it kind of relates to both of us a little bit, and I know you definitely would appreciate it. This might be this might be mine. This is yours. I'm gonna let you go ahead. No, 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 no.
0: no. Go ahead, go ahead.
1: Nope. It might not be. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. So this quote, it was last episode and I was talking about MJ and it said his gift was not that he could jump high, run fast, or shoot a basketball. His gift was that he was completely present and that's what separated him. Yeah. That's. I I thought that was going to be yours. As soon as I said it, I was like, damn, I'm going to steal his thunder right here.
0: That's not the exact quote I had. Mark it was Mark Ficini, the author of Rare Air. I haven't I don't know much about that book, but he said that Michael would say, "Why would I think about missing a shot I haven't taken yet?" Right. And it's not that Was that, another honorable
1: mention quote I had.
0: It's not that that was like a super emotional or like I, I whatever quote, yours was even better, but it was just the summation of who he was. The whole topic of being present always in the moment no challenge was big enough to deter him he was always ready there was the uh i don't know if he was the trainer but mj was laying out on the training board and he was like it's the lion uh the lion sleeping before the fight or whatever do you remember that yes yeah so i'm like I'm a huge into that whole staying present awareness thing, meditation, whatever I'm buying into all that. Trying out my stuff. Yes. Knowledge is power. Invest in your brain. I mean, MJ was the king of this. They said he was an alien. They said he would point out things that nobody else could. I was listening to Jason Hare on the JJ Reddick podcast. And he said that he was talking to Andrea Kramer and Hannah Storm, and they said that MJ would come up to them before anyone even knew it and go, what do you do? Like, he just knew they were pregnant, and they hadn't even told anyone. Like, not a
1: soul. I think I've heard that before. That's crazy. Just stuff like that. The guy was different. He was yeah. so different. And that mindset that he could just stay locked in and focused on whatever he was doing any time, like, you know, Like the quote said, that's what made him the GOAT. If you gave his mind, and I will say this till I die, I know we keep talking about him and LeBron. If you give that mindset and you (laughs) put MJ's brain in LeBron, LeBron would have a hundred rings. It's incredible what he was able to do and how strong he was mentally. And one thing I want to mention to you, could you tell now, obviously older MJ in the interviews talking about all of the stuff from the past and how hard he pushed people. Cause you kind of tell that like it took a toll on him.
0: I mean, definitely he, he said break on that one part. Cause he was like tearing up.
1: Yeah. Definitely. It just seems like he's so different now in interviews than the interviews that you watch back when he was playing. It's like a totally different person.
0: Yeah, and the fact that he had to retire after both 3 peaks. you could say he retired for different reasons after the first one. Yeah, but I mean, he was exhausted. They kept pointing it out in the Utah right. series how he was, you know, using angles, playing a little bit differently Anything to
1: motivate him.
0: Just yeah, just going down the lane, just trying to get to the line because he was short on everything. Yeah, he was definitely worn down. I think
1: his whole entire approach to the game definitely took a toll on him. I just think it's crazy seeing him now and seeing how removed he feels from the game, even though he's involved with the Hornets and their GM and everything. It just feels like it's a an entirely different person when you're watching him talk about it now. And it's like it almost kind of drove him crazy, everything yeah. that he went through and how it all ended a little bit. And I think he has a hard time dealing with it, and that's why he's always got – a glass of bourbon and a cigar in his mouth or whatever it is. I mean, the cigars were always there, but
0: yeah, he's a little hands off as an owner. So yeah, I'm sure he's a, like a tiny bit checked out of basketball. That's for
1: sure. I would be too. I would need a break at some point, but real quick, some random I, Jordan. Oh oh, 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 go for it. Go for it. I can't repeat
0: it or I'm not going to, but Larry Bird, the exchange after. Oh yeah. that one's pretty good. You,
1: you can repeat that. What do you got to lose? I'm just not going to. You guys know what I'm talking about. That was sensational. Yeah, that one was great. All right, that take one it away. Was great. All right, so just some random stuff that I've seen about him throughout this series, really the last few days. Uh, some stories, some articles, videos, whatever it was. First thing blew my mind. The dude bet a hundred grand on a game of rock paper scissors. I don't know <laughs> if he won or lost, but he bet a hundred grand on a game of rock paper scissors. I also saw this one's pretty controversial. I did a little more digging. Some people say it's true. Some say it's not. Apparently, he would bet $100 every day with Scottie Pippen on horse races, and he was showing him reruns that he'd already seen every single time. Oh, yeah. I've heard something like that. Yeah, that one's been passed along a little bit. I'm not sure how true it is. Another one, Antoine Walker showed up to a workout with a new Ferrari and a jumpsuit, and he was walking around all fresh, and I guess it pissed MJ off. MJ went and bought a Ferrari similar kind, just different color, also went and bought the jumpsuit and just started walking around exactly like him just to get in his head. Just show me one <laughs> special. Uh, or maybe he liked his swag. <laughs> maybe so. Maybe he was just trying it out. But the last one, and I think this is a perfect one to end on because it just puts everything in perspective. When he was traveling with the Dream Team, he lost in a game of ping pong to Christian Leitner. Nobody saw him for two days He went and bought a ping pong room, set it up in his hotel room and did not leave until he was able to come out and kick ass and ping pong, immediately challenged (laughs) Leitner to a rematch and won 21 to four. That is insane. And I believe every bit of it. (laughs) That's a good one. That's a good one. The level of pettiness and competitiveness, just next level competitive problem. That was one of my quotes also. Yeah. Don't have a gambling problem. I have a competitiveness problem. You got anything else to add? That's all I've got. I'm just happy that we got some basketball in a different form, a little bit of history basketball combo with some drama mixed in there. And I loved it. The last two episodes had 5.9 million viewers, and I would watch it 5.9 million times again. It was incredible.
0: <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. We're looking forward to the NBA coming back. We're going to hear something soon. The Last Dance was great. Hope you liked the Last Dance Awards. Barring something crazy, we'll be back with another episode of the FanFuel Fantasy Show next week. We both had fun doing that. Yes, sir. You guys know the drill. Give us that five-star. Tell your friends. Give us a review. And we'll be back next week. Peace.